Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. And this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. Before we get into other themes today in our program, we're doing something here that's kind of a bit of a tradition in this studio here, Light of the East. Whenever somebody walks by the studio, happens to stop in or visit, I usually try and see if I can kidnap them and put them on the radio. <laughs> so that's what we're doing today. A couple young men stopped by today to visit me and to also to see our church and our church grounds and so on here at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. So I pulled the old Light of the East tradition and asked if they'd sit in the studio and chat a little bit with us. So we got an opportunity to hear two young men who are aspiring to religious vocation. I thought that was a great opportunity to have them speak to us and us together. And so I want to welcome to Light of the East, Rinju Shune and Cameron Traxler. Welcome to Light of the East. Glory to Jesus Christ. So both of you came here today to visit our church who visit me, and you came from a monastery. What monastery was that? Uh, Holy Resurrection Monastery in St. Nazian's, Wisconsin. And that's a Byzantine Catholic monastery. Yes. Right. One worth visiting if people want to really get an experience of Byzantine prayer and, and worship and liturgy, especially in the communal setting of the monasticism. So you came from there because you are what? You're staying there? Are you members of the monastery? Or Well, we're, we're, both, we're both staying there. Rinju's been there all summer. Um, I'm currently on my second visit. Um, so he's going off to college after his visit, and then I'll be returning to begin postulancy probably sometime in October. At the monastery. Now, what is your background, both of you? Are you Eastern Rite, Latin Rite, a mixture? Well, um, yeah, so I back, my background is Latin Rite Catholic, though my mother grew up uh, in the East Syriac tradition of the church in the Siramalabar church in India. Um, so the, the, the Eastern churches are not completely foreign to me, but I haven't, I've only been practicing as a Byzantine Catholic for the last two years. Um, 
at Wyoming Catholic College. It's, as far as I know, the only Catholic college with a full Byzantine chaplaincy. Um, chapel, uh, chaplain, choir, everything. Um, and I, even though I'm not canonically Byzantine, I've been practicing that there for the last two years. And Cameron? Uh, born and raised uh, Latin, right? Um, over, over, I'd say, probably the past year and a half, maybe two years, um, been gradually moving more towards, you know, the Eastern churches. Um, the past year, pretty much, I've been practicing mostly Byzantine. Um, occasionally, I mean, so, um, and that, that was, a lot of what led to that was, um, I, was a, I was a postulant at Clear Creek for some time, and there was, um, you know, there was a brother there that actually was once at uh, Holy Resurrection. Oh, and uh, after I discerned out, I, I kind of took that as one of the initial signs huh. to start moving east. <laughs> it was one of those funny things the Lord does. You guys did a little swap. Yeah, yeah we did a little swap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was like a swap. Yeah. Where is uh, Clear Creek? Uh, Holbert, Oklahoma. It's uh, northeast, um, super northeast in Oklahoma. Uh, it's about an hour outside of uh, Tulsa. Oh, and what order? Uh, Benedictines. Benedictines, yeah. Well, you're both young men. How old are you? I'm 25. Mm-hmm. I'm 21. Well, it's interesting. To, uh, first of all, uh, how do you as young men today, especially in your 20s, uh, what, what's your generation called now? Z, X, I don't know what it is. I'm technically, <laughs> I'm technically in the millennials. Oh, are you technically a millennial? Oh, it's so, a millennial. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm technically Gen Z, I guess, yeah. Okay, tell me what's happening with your generation. Because first of all, it's interesting. Here you are pursuing religious vocation, especially looking towards monasticism, and especially... You're at the Byzantine Monastery, which that's kind of like the, that's the, and as far as our church is, it's kind of like the Delta Force. It's like the uh, the Navy SEALs of, of the church of spirituality. So you're you're looking into the best of the best, okay? And, you know, very rigorous, lots of hours of prayer, very serious about their monasticism, their baptismal vows, really, which is what monasticism is. So tell me, how does someone from your generation come to look into this? What, what's happening with your generation in terms of faith, spirituality, the church? Well, frankly, I think um, in America, I can only really speak for America, but we've been starving for a long time. And I think the millennial generation started at least trying to find a source of nutrients mm-hmm. and sustenance um, in various different ways. You've got all the activist sort of uh, outlets mm-hmm. to try to find some new religion in uh can call wokeness mm-hmm. or the progressive, whatever you want to call it, or even on the ultra conservative side, um, trying to find every different type of savior. Mm-hmm. But I think, at least for me, um, just realizing what true asceticism means mm-hmm. for the first time in, in the East, um, I started to actually be able to understand it in a true sense that it's not just trying to, we were talking about this in the car right over, but not just trying to. We recognize that, we, that there's a sin on our souls and a separation from God, and like we've messed up, and now God needs to fix things for us. But it's not just that, but it's in a deeper sense a reminder when I'm in the desert and when I'm fasting that this food that I'm normally eating isn't real food. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's good for me, but if I, if I only cling to that, if I only cling to activism or any, any other good thing mm-hmm. and I forget about the true source of this goodness, mm-hmm. then I'm then I'm lost. So the monastic calling seems to be just that of recognizing what the one true good thing is and 
dropping everything else so you can run full force into mm-hmm. that direction. I think I think it's it, it really is. I mean, that's that's exactly it. I think it's it, I think about the story of Saint Christopher. You know, constantly searching for somebody to serve. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is is just how radical he is in that. Mm-hmm. I think I think I think that's what a lot of our current issues stem down to is people recognize we need someone or something to serve. We need we need somewhere to go and something to do mm-hmm. when we get there and something to aim for. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when you, when you stumble upon like young Catholics that are, you know, on fire with the faith, Mm -hmm. you know, um, there is this, this realization that, okay, like the Christian life when lived to its fullest is is like this, this radical way of living. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, 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 you know, we're, we're called to serve Christ, who's the way, the truth and the life. And Mm -hmm. like, that takes a lifetime to, to really realize and, and, and to live out. And I think when it comes down to like something like the monastic vocation, I think that's one of those, it's one of those paths, you know, mm-hmm. to Christ. Like once you, once you realize, okay, like I want to be a Christian and, and, and I want to be in the Catholic church and I want to live this radical mm-hmm. life. And um, I think for some, when you recognize that reality, it's like, I want more of that. Mm-hmm. I want to be, I want to be close to the source like that, that is, this Christian life. And, mm-hmm. and the, I think the monastic life, um, at least, you know, for speaking from like this perspective of Rinju and I, you know, we see that as like, okay, this is, this is like where the font is. This is where, mm-hmm. this is where the, the water flows in. And like, mm-hmm. I mean, everything, everything culminates there. Like intimacy with Christ is like one thing, but then to radically aim your life in that direction, I think really, um, emphasize, you know, it really pulls out this, um, essentially what it is, is it's, it's, it's this desire to live your baptism to the fullness mm-hmm. of, of what we're called to. You, the abbot at the monastery you're staying at, Abbot Nicholas, loves to repeat the little line from Orientavi Lumen, so we get the name of this program, Light of the East, Pope John Paul II's document, I think it was 1995, that says, Monasticism is the reference point for all the baptized, and that's basically what what you're saying. And I know he always quotes that a lot. He loves that. <laughs> He's always promoting, promoting monasticism, which is good. But now, being young men, uh, how is it that you can come to that kind of realization and also desire, and and you're discerning the commitment there, which would, of course, preclude at least sacramental marriage and family for you. Because that would think that would be unthinkable for a lot of people your age. Yeah, it's going to sound strange, but in some ways, um, as horrible as it is, this this current idea of cancel culture that we hear mm-hmm. a lot of, I think in, it's in some ways is a recognition by our generation that um, earthly heroes are terribly flawed. Mm-hmm. And there's a rejection of them because if we view them as a god and idol, mm-hmm. but our idol is is uh, flawed and sinful, then we're going to want to reject it, and there's a strong aversion towards that. And I think on the on the married marriage sphere, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of recognition that even the times when divorce rates were lower, um, holy and happy marriages were still not particularly high, mm-hmm. um, because if you if you rely on marriage to be um, all of your, 
all the happiness, the source of happiness in mm-hmm. your life. Your spouse is your best friend. Um, that's where you pour all your, your love in. Um, nothing is centered around the mm-hmm. faith. Then you, you don't really have anything particularly strong, you know, central there. Whenever I work with married couples, either preparing them for marriage or counseling them or just giving talks to married couples, I always mention to them something from St. John Chrysostom that to be a happily married couple, you both have to be good monks. In the sense of real of what monasticism is, that radical living out of our baptismal promise. In other words, like, like you're saying, uh, Rinju, that uh, Christ has got to be number one, no matter what. Uh, and that's the monastic element of it's in a marriage. So monasticism and marriage are, they subsist in each other. They're interdependent. And we're going to talk more about that with our two young men here, Rinju and Cameron, when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Every day, Father Loya posts a brief two-minute Facebook video on the Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish homepage. You'll be amazed at what you can learn just by watching. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church. We need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. I'm David Carollo, Executive Director of the World Apostle of Fatima USA. And you are listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. We have a couple of guests today who walked into the studio and we set them down and put a microphone in front of them and hopefully they'll talk. <laughs> They've been talking very, very well. A couple of impressive young men here who are discerning vocations to monasticism. How about that for being unusual today? Rinju Shune and Cameron Traxler. Rinju, we, we picked up before the break uh, the subject of the interdependency of how marriage and monasticism subsist in each other. So, again, what what is your reflections on that as, as someone who is aspiring to monasticism? Well, as, as I was mentioning to you earlier, Father, um, in ne- coming next month, uh, I'll be going to grad school in Austria, studying, uh, having a theology degree specifically in marriage and the family. And when I first was looking into this program, I remember talking to some of my friends and being like, you know, I think it might be strange a monk, someone who's planning to become a monk, spending two years intensively studying marriage and the family. And then immediately I remembered that one of the more recent saints of the church who focused on this is Pope John Paul II, who also wrote beautifully about, about the Eastern monasticism, right. Right. Um, which, which he seemed like he was very familiar with himself. And ultimately, I think that, as you mentioned, every, every, everyone is called in a certain way, every married couple is called to be a monk. In the same way that everyone is called to celibacy mm-hmm. in the sense that they give their, their entire heart to Christ. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when, when, when you're giving your life to Christ, that's not a, just a passive act, but it's, it's very active. And so sometimes Christ will turn you towards um, a beautiful spouse that he wants you to protect and guard and lead and raise a family together to continue bringing monks to Christ. Or he'll lead you to a more uh, explicit monastery. Mm-hmm. And like in my case with Holy Resurrection, 
um, and in Cameron's as well, that uh, you're able to live out that life that the married couples most definitely call to live out. But um, more practically, we have more time to spend uh, hours in the chapel um, and help those married couples as well as in some ways they help us. Just as we mentioned earlier that the married couples can measure the holiness, the happiness of their marriage by how well they are being good monks, in a manner of speaking. Conversely, the the monastic, the celibate, has to live out their celibacy in a way that is like marriage. In other words, spousal and fruitful, right? It's that self-donation, as St. John Paul II men talk a lot about. I remember my father asking me uh, when I, I do a, a number of talks on the Thousand Body, kind of a student and practitioner of that. And and I remember when he t- came to one of my talks, he said to me, you know, uh, Tom, how does this Pope know so much about marriage and family and sexuality? Did he have a girlfriend? Was he married or something? You know? I said, no, Dad, he knows about this because marriage, family, sexuality is about God. And he's a man of God. That's why he knows. And so, first and foremost, yes, our focus is on God, especially if you're a married couple. But the monastic lives it out in that sort of here and now way, you know, sort of they realize eschaton here. And the marriage is, lives it out in a way that's anticipating what's going to be in, the, in heaven, the eschaton. But the monastic lives it out here. Now, in relation to going back to, to your, your generation, am I right in, in my assessment? They, there's almost like, two kinds of your generation. There's the kind like you, as you're mentioned, two of you, who are looking for, for the truth, who are going to pursue you and realize that all that the world is promising you that's supposed to be a source of happiness is in fact not. There is something deeper, more real, more authentic. But then there's also, it seems to be, the other half, I don't know if it's half or not, what percentage, but of people your age who are completely caught up in this world. In, in the, like I said, from wokeism to PC to materialism to whatever, where, where, would you, where would you assess your generation? The reason I'm asking for you, asking this of you, is because I find in you, as a, as a, I, I now being an older person, uh, I find in you a great sense of hope and a great sense of courage. Knowing what you're facing, knowing the way that things are in the world and our nation, even the church. It's very easy to basically think about bringing down the curtain on everything. It's British English is over. This is it. This is the last judgment. This is the second coming. This is the this is Armageddon. This is hopelessness. Everything's collapsing. It's very easy to to feel that way, and people have good reason to to look at things that way. But what you're thinking about when you're pursuing is a sign of young men being courageous enough to have hope, to not let the ways of the world bog you down into kind of a hopelessness or just, oh, well, what does it matter? I'll just live for the day and be happy on earth because it's basically what else is there. Um, So that's why I ask you this question because I find you as a source of hope and and courage, but how would you assess your generation in that regard? Are you all looking as the two of you are, or are many people just not looking? They're just living, existing. Like, what is what is the prognosis for the future in terms of vocations, monasticism from your generation? Which is the generation is going to have to face all this in and out of the church. I think, I think in a lot of ways, 
I think everybody, wherever they fall, like whatever side they fall on, on the coin, right? Um, it's, I think everyone's searching. Mm-hmm. I think there, I think, I think maybe the side that Rinju, Rinju and I are on, you know, without being biased, I think we recognize that the thing we were searching for was the Lord. Mm-hmm. Now the practicalities come down to how do we want to do that? Mm-hmm. I think the other side of the coin is I think it's still this search for the divine. I think people recognize, you know, we are just pilgrims on this earth. You know, it's not, it's not mm-hmm. home. Um, thing, all things will pass away. And I think the, it's this panicked search for the divine without mm-hmm. realizing mm-hmm. what they're searching for is the divine. And I think, I think what a lot of people have honestly done, I think maybe Rinju and I have had this experience. I know at the very least I have where when you are searching for the divine, but you're searching for it in all things that are going to be passing mm-hmm. away, mm-hmm. it creates this anxiety. I think, I think it creates this anxiety that, okay, everything I'm putting my hope in, everything I'm putting my trust in, it fades mm-hmm. away. Whether it's the, whether it's, it's these, these people, these actors, uh, mm-hmm. you know, political figures, mm-hmm. Whoever it is, they're going to fail us mm-hmm. at some point. They're going to do something unsavory, you know. Like Rinju said, that's something that would create like cancel culture, yeah. right? Yes. We're mad. We want to make them anathema when they fail us. <laughs> <Yeah>. But the, <laughs> but, the, <laughs> but the reality is, like, you know, when you have you, you know, and maybe encircling, you know, to marriage in a way, like Christ, you know, mm-hmm. the bridegroom, like Christ. At the end of the day, I mean, like heaven and earth shall pass mm-hmm. away, but His word shall not. So. When you look at it from that standpoint, I think when you recognize that, it's, I think the young generation, maybe like Renju and I, like we, we, we recognize, okay, Christ is never mm-hmm. going to pass away. Mm-hmm. He's always going to be here. There's so much hope in that. There's so much, mm-hmm. like, when you, when you, when you hear that, it's, it's, it's hard, it would be crazy not to hold, like grab hold of his hand that he mm-hmm. has always had extended out. And I think the other side of the coin, like they're searching for that without realizing it. Mm-hmm putting all their hope in these yeah. things that pass it's away. It's interesting. I've from time to time been in the church here in homilies and so on, just to make a point, I'll I'll mention a big, big star from just a few years ago. Or certainly when I was a little bit younger. I don't mean like even like a kid. I'm talking about, you know, young adult, teen into young adult, young adulthood, something like that. Big stars. And I'll ask people, you know who that is? They don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> But they were huge. Like if you think of like the, the, the stars that are in the news today, like they're like gods, making ultimately like gods and goddesses, you know. And there was a study recently that said that the the preteen generation, that their number one desire was to be a star, to be a star, which may be a kind of a, um, in, in its own way, uh, their desire to to want what you're saying, but they're recognizing it more like in, earthly, you know, fame. It's like, like an that. Earth, like an earthly saint. Yeah, an earthly saint, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yet I made the point that, you see, you want to be a star. Okay, well, guess what? We're still celebrating people lived hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago. They're called saints, you know? But I just mentioned a star that was huge, top, top star. Couldn't get any more, any bigger than that. You knew, you didn't know who I'm talking about. And this was just only a few years ago, you know? So how fleeting that is, you know? So what, what brought you to uh, to the Eastern churches, the Eastern Rite, the Byzantine spirituality, monasticism? Probably, probably first and foremost, I think the em- the emphasis on well, maybe two, maybe maybe a couple of things. Uh, definitely the ascetical tradition. Um, definitely the emphasis on the healing of body and soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I think as well 
those two things combined, I, you know, that's, that is, that's kind of, I mean, that's the mission of Christ, mm-hmm. right? Um, the, this ascetical tradition, like, because we live in this world that, that like, the idea of self-denial, that's, right? right? It's, it's gone. Right, like, gone. Like, lest, lest you know, uh, like, the, the golden rule, you know, treat others as you want to be treated is really twisted for many people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's something about the monastic life that, that calls in that your entire life is a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something so beautiful and powerful about mm-hmm. that. You know, we're giving ourselves. Yeah, um, on, on my own side, uh, at Wyoming Catholic College, uh, Father David Anderson's the chaplain there, and that's when I first became more deeply introduced to the Byzantine tradition. And in the beginning, it was just uh, in the sentiment of, oh, I, mm-hmm. this the chanting here is really beautiful. Uh, my senior year uh, for, my, for our thesis that we have to eventually defend as well, uh, I focused on the connections between St. John on the Cross mm. and St. Gregory Palamas. And it was really diving deeply into the spirituality and theology of the East that I realized that it wasn't just um, a love for the pretty sounds, but actually the, what, the, the substantial theology that was associated with it that made me realize my home was in the East. Well, you are two very impressive young men. You give me hope, and I think you're going to give hope to a lot of people as you pursue your vocations. I want to thank you for being here in Light of the East. Rinju Shune and Cameron Traxler, thanks again, and God bless you and all of your, your pursuits for your vocation, all of your work, and all that you do in this life for others to bring the kingdom of God on earth. God bless you. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.